you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the League Podcast always gets the pick six. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by two heroes, Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? How you doing? Oh, man. Dan's excited. His big his, night. His new favorite team, the Patriots. No, 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 no. What a classic. What Hold a on. life. What a life for Greg Rosenthal. I think about it. If you are a New England sports fan, everything comes up roses. Mm. Well, they listed at some point during the game we're about to talk about all the championships that it. have been won in that Boston sports yeah. area in the last, what, 10 years? Yeah. I don't think if you had a few drinks and you could even name all these. So, yeah. It's a, it's, Outrageous. You forgot my wife is a professionally trained chef, too. So what yeah. a life. What a <laughs> life for this guy. But does she love you? Well, it comes and goes. You know, I'm just happy Mark is here tonight. He's not always here on Sunday nights, and he's here for the latest, greatest you know, biggest Sunday night of the right year. Now. Yeah, we're all just a little powering tired. through. So yes, the game we're obviously talking about <laughs> is the Sunday night classic, the New England Patriots, a thirty four thirty one win in overtime, a game in which the Denver Broncos were up twenty four nothing at the he- at, at the end of the midway through the second quarter. Things spiraled out of control. All of a sudden it was the Patriots up thirty one twenty four. Uh to the Broncos credit and Peyton Manning's credit, even though he had a, a subpar game they they managed to you know some t- testicular fortitude tie the game up at thirty one late go to overtime and then Tony Carter plays the role of Raheem Moore uh, punt hits him wrong place wrong time field goal Patriots win and the Broncos same old questions about the Broncos can they win in a big spot again they prove they cannot and now we must wait until January I'm so angry what. What an insane game that the greatest comeback in Patriots franchise history, which is also, of course, Tom Brady's biggest comeback, almost felt like an afterthought by the end because the Patriots took the lead with 740 left in the game, and it just felt like our minds had been blown 31 points in the first 22 minutes of that second half out of nowhere. But then there was a whole other game that happened after that. There was a lot to talk about. Manning looked great. Uh, Belichick decides kick the ball and take the wind in overtime. It goes back and forth. There's penalties, and then the fluke play ends it. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Well, it's, it, that's a good way to put it because, you know, as the game what is evolving, we're like, what should we write about? What are we going to focus <laughs> on, the three of us? How do we cut this up? And a couple times we had latched on to this is our storyline, yeah. and it kept changing, and it kept becoming more and different as the moments went on. It was uh, very bizarre Just game. imagine if when the Belichick – tells the Patriots to d- defer on the overtime kickoff. Imagine if the Broncos go down the field, put six on the board, and end the game. Literally, 
every piece of content <laughs> would be lined up for NFL.com right. for and NFL week. Network for a week straight. It would, it would be would like have an in-game a- version of Bounty Gate. I mean, it would have been outrageous. That's why I love this game, not just because the Patriots won, but that uh. helps. The narrative-busting moments of the game, because everyone was ready to talk about how Manning can't play in the cold at all. And he did only end up with 4.2 yards per attempt, and he was 11 for 23 for 93 yards when they were going into the win. So there was something to it. But everyone is going to talk about how he couldn't play in the cold weather. Anyone that talks about that tomorrow did not watch that drive because that was one of the drives of the year that he put together at the end of regulation to force over. I don't think there's – well, Brady badly outplayed Manning in this game. Yes. Uh, but I do think there is something to that at least that at this stage of his career while Manning remains one of the elite passers in the league, his arm isn't built for – these type of conditions. So I think especially when you have the situations where he's going into the win, it really cuts down on a lot of what they're able to do. I think there is something to that. Yeah, but I mean, let's look at this game, how it started. Where I, th- This was Von Miller's night out of the gate. He had a 60-yard fumble recovery, took it into the house, strip sack on Brady on the next drive. Took it drive. to the house, into the house. That's he, a little different. He opened the door, he walked into the house, <laughs> made himself a sandwich, Broncos up 7 nothing. But it's like they, they sat on the ball. I it's mean, like my grandmother trying to use a sports term or right. something. Moreno ran for 200 plus a house. I mean, they didn't have to. They didn't more. You know, Manning didn't have to go to the air early on. They 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 were almost conservative with the way they approached the game from the beginning of that big lead they built. Oh, and by the way, Noshan Moreno ran for 224 yards right. on 37 carries. He might not be able to take another carry the rest of the year. They used him up so much in this game. I mean, that would be a big story. Yeah, he'll have weeks. the mobi- mobility of late period FDR after this, but <laughs> at the same time, it was a great game, buddy. I you know I love all the narrative busting, and Dan and I had a conversation about. And a good one. Whether it was a shame that the game ended on this fluke play after so much happened. You know, but the more I thought about it, that's what this game was. There was ten fumbles. The Patriots had six fumbles in the first quarter and a half. I mean, that's football. Football is a fluke. A team won the Super Bowl last year. Essentially, because Colin Kaepernick and Jim Harbaugh couldn't get the play in on time. They won. I mean, that's that's what happens sometimes. Teams win because of fluke. So I think it was a totally fitting end. Uh, what a life for Greg. Oh, stop. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Up next, it's time for our weekly call to our Chicago correspondent. Uh, he's a legend. They call him Kevin Patra. Kevin Patra, what is happening? How's it going today, fellas? It's going great. So, what, what happened to that little bit where you would tell us what Kevin was coming back from with some Chicago celebrity? I like that. Remember that? That was pretty good. It just there was a level of preparation that I wasn't prepared to keep up on a weekly basis. <laughs> you ran out of Chicago celebrities. <laughs> now there are surprisingly a lot of them, but I also didn't get a good crowd pop from within the studio, as often happens. You know, kind of got left hanging. So, so oh, maybe it's not really working. But now I'm being told it works. Well, it's kind of like you know a lot of good TV shows that don't have a laugh track. You don't you don't need that laughter. You're at home watching it. You know. Yes, you but, know it's good. But I'm a professional podcaster, and I could feel <laughs> it in the room. Didn't feel it. Just saying. All right. All right. But that's good to know. It's good to know. Kevin Patra, um, you watched two games and covered them very closely today. And we'll start with your boys, Matthew Stafford's. Fourth interception uh, went in and out of Calvin Johnson's hands inside the Tampa Bay Five in the final minute, allowing the Buccaneers to hold on for a 24-21 win over the Lions on Sunday. Uh, the Bucks have now won three straight after losing after losing their first eight games, joining the 1978 St. Louis Cardinals as the only team to do that. Kevin Patra, this is a bad loss for your Lions, isn't it? Terrible. And the, uh, the last play was pretty emblematic of the entire game. Just bad turnovers and drop passes. Good, some good plays by the uh, the Bucks secondary, but really just poor decisions on Matthew Stafford, and uh, he didn't get much help from his receivers the whole game either. Um, the Bucks didn't really do. I mean, on offense, uh, Glennon only threw twenty one passes. He looked really good in the first half. He completed at one point eight in a row. Um, he had one big bomb in the second half, and that was pretty much all his production in the second half. And that was all they. Um, the Bucks. Uh, forced the turnovers, and the Lions gave them right to him. That's pretty much all. That's pretty much the story of the game. Kevin, uh, so Detroit sitting at 6-5, and five, notched there with the Bears. Are you, uh, as a Lions fan, are you concerned? I, I mean, with two, 
I can I guess so. You'd have to say yes because while nobody wants a division, uh, losing two winnable games, especially one at home to a two and eight team, I mean, you can look at that situation and say that you have faith that you're going to beat Green Bay. Even even at home on Thanksgiving, even with the way their defense is played, doesn't this I mean, go, where does the confidence come with that? Doesn't this go back to what we were saying though um, on the last podcast, where they're literally the team that can beat anybody and lose to anybody, and when you're dealing with that type of situation, um, you can't feel at you can't feel good at all about a team being a a real power player in their conference. Correct, and it really has to do. I mean, if you look at their losses, it's when Matthew Stafford hasn't performed well when he's turned the ball over. Uh, the Green Bay game is a good example. Without Calvin Johnson, he was completely lost. They didn't have any production. When he goes in the tank, the team goes in the tank. The defense played well enough today. It's not a great defense, but they played well enough today in the second half to win that game. They just didn't force the turnovers. And uh, Stafford gave, gave away four picks. You can't throw a pick six, and you can't uh, miss Calvin Johnson multiple times wide open down the field and expect to win the game. Yeah, win the game. I was hoping Stafford had kind of taken that next step. It seems like he's... A little more up and down than we'd like. They had five turnovers, and the Bucks didn't have any. It's almost impossible to win that. Such a weird stat game. I mean, they only gave up ten first downs. They had twenty-five. Mike Glennon threw for almost twelve yards. For Mike Glennon and Greg Schiano are making a great case to be the guys there in Tampa next year. And if they keep winning, I don't think the ownership's going to have too much to say about it. They're going to have to keep them. Yeah, Kevin, are you seeing what a lot of people are seeing, which is that uh, Mike Glennon looks like he could play a little bit. Yeah, he he definitely showed that, especially in the second half. When I mean, he got he there were certain points where he had all day, but he was just pinpoint passing in the first half. And like I said, the the, the eighty five yard bounce was just a beautiful, perfect strike in stride. I mean, you couldn't throw a ball any better. I I do think I think whether Shiano's there or not, I think the next coach or w- would have a really hard decision to make whether he'd want to keep running or not. Anyway. All right, so let's move on to your second game. Tavon Austin's sixty five yard touchdown run, his fourth straight. This season from beyond midfield, jump started a 21 point first quarter for the St. Louis Rams as they defeated the Chicago Bears 42 to 21 on Sunday. Kevin Patcher, we forked the St. Louis Rams. Is that something that we should really be starting to get nervous about? No. Good. All right, thanks, Kevin. No. no. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I mean, I mean, first of all, look at their division. I mean, this is this is a Rams team that does play well at home. And they, they, their strength, running the ball, is the Bears' biggest weakness, stopping the run. I mean, the, the Rams just run right down the throat. Zach Stacy was just unstoppable in the first half. He, came, he went out with a head injury, and ben, Benny Cunningham just continued to, to plow right through uh, the Bears' defense. The Bears can't get stops on defense. They can't. They, uh, so so I, don't, I don't think it was as much to do with the, the Rams moving forward and competing for a playoff spot as much as it was the Bears' defense not being able to stop what the Rams do well. The Bears are better. I mean, the Rams are better than any AFC wildcard contender going for that sixth spot. They're just stuck in the wrong conference. I could see them getting to nine wins easily. They've played really well. I mean, I watched this game. They were dominating the line of scrimmage up front. Kellen Clemens does enough each week. They have an identity. I mean, Benny Cunningham is a factor. you got to get excited about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as, far as yeah. the Rams' defense, I mean, they they are ferocious up front, but McCown did actually play pretty well. I mean, that secondary is banged up for the Rams, and when, when McCown got outside of the pocket when he got any time, he he kind of pick them apart, too. So that, that would be a concern for me as well. One quick Rams question, almost for anyone. I just don't see a major drop-off from Sam Bradford to whoever the next guy is. They look just as active on offense as they ever did with him. Do you really want to latch your future to Sam Bradford at this point? Why, just because they're winning with Kellen Clemens? No, not because of that, because nothing that Bradford ever did was anything better than what they're doing with Kellen Clemens, frankly. Do you re-up with this guy? Well, you're locked in with him right now, right? Yeah, I mean, his contract's at a point you can keep... I think you can delay the decision another year. It's not something you have to worry about now or even really next year. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it, fellas. Have a good one. So you're saying if you're the Rams, you just shouldn't look ahead at all. <laughs> I don't even worry about this. It's not. It's well, not an issue. Do I think they should cut Sam Bradford? No, That's I don't think cut him or, no. or trade well, him. No. I guess I'm asking. I just. It's been in my mind for a while. I just, I, I'm so unsold <laughs> well, I'm on Sam it off Bradford. Your chest. But how does the recent play of the Rams have anything to do with Sam Bradford? Whether he's the long-term answer. Well, I think they're a better team, whether with or without him, that they've found 
what their identity is to center their offense around the run game. What's your identity? That's a mystery. Yeah, we all need identities. We different podcasts. Dan is what? What's your? What's yours, Dan? The great Rumford Johnny. I call him Rummy. Um, he said that I'm Norm uh, from Cheers, and uh, Sessler is Frazier. I think he labeled me Diane. Oh, you're Diane. <laughs> I think I was Frazier. Uh, yeah, Greg he is was Frazier, and of course, Wes is Cliff. Yeah. And I, I guess that would probably make K. Rich, I don't know, maybe uh, Kirstie Alley? Yeah. Or I Woody? Like She's I'll, Woody. I'll take that. Uh, wait, Woody? <laughs> oh, that's I don't know. Woody. Woody was the breakout star, though. You have to give him credit he for that. He also had an IQ of Woody, Woody is still like, working. The rest of them are not. I like her attitude. I'll take Kirstie Alley. All right. Okay. Good. All right. So let's, let's call Chris Wessling. We've got to get Wes on the line. Um, I figure it only makes sense. To call Wes, where Mark? Where would Wes be right now? Well, we knew we knew uh, that he'd be at Huckapoo's because I believe he's sleeping there at nights. Huckapoo's, which is <laughs> the uh, Wes is back home at Tybee Island. Uh, the Huckapoo's is the local. It's the watering hole. Watering hole of record. Uh, we figured he's there. Maybe he's not. He probably is though. So let's give him a call. Okay, Rich, can you call the bar itself? Sure thing, guys. You know I can make anything happen. I know you can. All right. So while Kay Rich. Gets Wes on the cell phone. <laughs> you know, this, this could be interesting. I'm looking forward to some some penetrating analysis from a sober-minded Chris Wesley. In, in Wes's defense, he was up at 9 in the morning in, in Georgia. He's put in a full day's work. He's earned those drinks. Absolutely. Oh, in no way are we questioning Wes's professionalism. Maybe a little. Yeah, a, t- a touch. Hug, <laughs> please. How you doing? This is Dan Hansis with the Around the League podcast. Is Chris Wessling available? He is. He's kind of drunk. You sure you want him? <laughs> yeah. Put Absolutely. Him, that, that's even All better. Right, put him on. Hey, Wes. Hello? Chris Wessling, what's up? It's Dan Hansis uh, with Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal the Around the League podcast. <laughs> How are you, buddy? Why are you calling the bar? <laughs> well, we figured that's where we could find you. We're going to do a cast. Pooh's <laughs> cast. So yeah, you're at you're at Huckapoo's. Uh, we figured there there's literally nowhere else on the planet you'd be. We we've hit the nail on the head here. You are you available to talk about the games that you supposedly were uh, plugged into today? I I was actually plugged into it. Oh good good. So let's do it. Well, I can barely hear you guys. Do you want to call me on my cell phone? Yeah, let's get you on the time? cell. Let's get you on the cell. <laughs> All right. Okay, Rich. Do we have Wes? Chris Wessling is on the line. Wes, what's up? You there? Hey, boys. All right, that sounds a lot better. <laughs> Apparently using the old rotary phone behind the Huckapoo's bar and grill is not as good as the cell phone from modern times. Wes, um, how's everything going? How, how are you enjoying your stay out back east? Wonderful. I'm having a great time. All right, good. <laughs> sounds like it. Well, we're not going to keep you too long because I know you have a lot of catching up to do with um, women mostly. But let's get right to your games. <laughs> And uh, we'll start <clears throat> with the one everyone's talking about. Maurice Jones-Drew ran for a season-high 84 <laughs> yards and a touchdown, and the Jaguars extended the Houston Texans' losing streak to a franchise record nine games with a 13-6 victory. Wes, you were, the, you were driving the Texans' bandwagon. I know you've been off for a while, but I feel like you probably still have some type of loyalties. Pretty hard to have any loyalties with this team at this point, right? I feel like like the biggest takeaway from this game, don't you think that John McClain is, is the coolest beat writer out there? He's like your cantankerous uncle. Yeah, uh, Houston Chronicle. Yes, he's, he's a so good man. He's so bitter, and he's like, okay, so this is Thanksgiving week. We can be thankful that the Texans only have five more games left. So that's, <laughs> we only have to see them get beat down like this five more times. Let's be fair, by the way, Wes. You, uh, you were really big on Case Keenum. Uh, it, that's kind of come down to earth a little bit too, right? A little Keenum he's buzz? He's face planted. He did not play well today. The Texans' offense was invisible. They had so many three and outs. It looked like Jason Campbell was quarterbacking. Oh, just couldn't couldn't help himself. Wait, even, even in a game like this, he's got to take a shot at Mark's quarterback. Wrestling. What is up with the Jaguars on the flip side? Because since they've come out of the bye, I mean, listen, they're the, they've always been the laughing stock, but they've been a little bit frisky on defense. They have. Like, I took note when they came out of the bye. I was like, do you, do you understand how hard they're hitting the Titans in that game? They came out killing the Titans, and they've been playing with so much emotion. I don't want to say that they're, like, a decent team now, but they've won two out of three games, and after 
losing by double digits in the first 10 games, they've been competitive in the last three, so they're obviously a different team now. It's so weird, though, because now the, the Texans could wind up with a higher draft pick uh, than the Jaguars. They would if the, if the season ended today, I believe. And it's all going to be based on Chad Henney, who's not going to be there next year, and Maurice Jones-Drew, who's not going to be there next year, Wait, and a bunch away. of other people that the Jaguars don't wind up getting this number one pick and the quarterback necessarily in, in the choice that they need. MJD, by the way, what's going on? I was watching him during the press conference. He's starting to look like a young Dennis Green. <laughs> it's like he could play Dennis Green in a biopic of he's his like life. Condens- he's like a condensed Dennis Green. <laughs> no, but back to, back to Greg's point. Yeah, they still need the quarterback, so maybe all this uh, good play could actually hurt uh, Shad Khan's boys in the long run, right? Yeah, if they have a picture of the Cleveland Browns owner or the Cleveland Indians owner and they're picking off pieces of bikini, <laughs> they're, in tr- they're in trouble right now. And uh, Andre Johnson, by the way, after the game, uh, had this to say about his team or his offense specifically: "We suck." Also said they not were a happy guy. Also said yeah. they were the worst team in the league. Hard to argue. It's unwa- it was unwatchable, which is why I tuned out and went to the Panthers game. All right, and let's let's talk about your second game, which was the Panthers game. And uh, Cam Newton converted a fourth and ten situation at his own twenty with a completion to keep alive the Panthers' final possession, and they went on to score a touchdown with 43 seconds left, beating the Miami Dolphins 2016 on Sunday. Just a killer loss for the Dolphins, West and the Panthers keep on rolling. Do you know who that 4th and 10 completion was to? No. Steve Smith. And after the game, he said, how can, I do this? How can anybody stop me with this monstrosity of a body I have? <laughs> what does that even mean? He's the best interview in the league. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> He's so awesome. Yeah, they uh, converted both of their touchdown drives. They converted fourth down. It was weird about wrong. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at the numbers in this game, it doesn't look too good for Carolina. Cam Newton, 4.6 yards per attempt. I thought there'd be a Ted Ginn revenge factor, but he had 10 targets and 11 yards. And yet they still got the win. What was going on there? It was. Uh, I, I thought it was Cam Newton's worst game of the year. He got hit in the mouth on uh, really early in the first quarter. Cam Wake hit him right in the mouth, and he was spitting up blood. And he wasn't himself for the next two quarters. He didn't look like Cam Newton. He looked sluggish. I'm not saying he had a concussion, but he was not Cam Newton. He was moving slowly. Um, and then they came out of halftime, and they were a different team. They came back, and they were the Panthers. But my like biggest takeaway was that they are not the same defense without Charles Johnson. Mm. Mm. We saw that in the Patriots game. They were up what fourteen to three or something, and then uh, Johnson gets hurt and they're down twenty to seventeen. They are not the same defense without their best pass rusher. How did your making the leap favorite preseason Lamar Miller look in this one? <laughs> they, they don't have a running game. As and Greg I'm, looks at the box score, <laughs> I am off the Lamar Willer, Lamar Miller train. They. And uh, you should be off the Daniel Thomas train. Yeah, I guess they come they, um, Get off all fi- Dolphins-related trains. Just, just go ahead games, and do it. Five games now they've been held under 25 yards rushing in the backfield. And that's... I don't know how you can win in the NFL like that. Hmm. So now I feel like Wes is going to... We're going to get off the phone, and then he's going to get back on top of, like, on the chair, and then they're going to lift him in the air and just carry him around the bar, and he'll have a crown <laughs> on, and he'll have, like, a big mug in each hand. Just conquering hero-type stuff. It does seem that way. Wes, well... That's a, actually, that's a good guess. That's exactly what I'm going to do right now. <laughs> Wes, go get back at it. Come home soon. I'm going to go get some. All right. Ice up, son. <laughs> Ice up, son. This, this Carolina win is kind of one of those that you ex- you wanted to see out of them, though, a game where they don't really play very well and they still manage to get the win. That's that's what good teams do. It's setting up their two games against the Saints just to be titanic clashes. I'm really looking forward to this. would have kind of ruined those games a little yeah. bit, and they got out of it. You know, I wouldn't look past the Bucks next week. That's fair. Well, that'll be a good matchup. You know you're a good team when you win your letdown games. Something that our teams don't know a whole lot about, no, Tim. We're getting to that. In fact, why don't we get to that? Um, Joe Flacco threw a 66-yard touchdown pass to Jacoby Jones. Justin Tucker kicked four field goals, and the Baltimore Ravens shut down the sputtering offense of the New York Jets in a 19-3 victory on Sunday. Um, last Sunday, I talked about how was the Geno Coaster had derailed, and I was off the Geno Coaster. I couldn't do it anymore. 
nothing that happened on Sunday did anything to change my mind. And I'll give you this one stat before I throw it to you guys. With Geno Smith, at quarterback, the Jets have now scored one touchdown in their last 31 possessions. The guy is not the answer. Maybe not forever, but not, right now he is not the answer. And every game they stick with him right now, they're putting themselves at a seri- serious disadvantage. So you would make the move to Matt Sims this week before they play Miami? That is how bad things are for the Jets and how bad their their depth ch- chart is, is that Rex is in this position. And again, and we were talking about this downstairs, Rex is not safe. I know there was a lot of talk that the, the nice start to the season and how the players have responded and he got some positive comments from his GM that, you know, he'll be back next year. I, if they if they go in the tank and they still lose double digit games, he's in deep trouble. Now he's in a situation where he has a rookie quarterback and Geno Smith who has no confidence right now. I mean, you could tell the guy's confidence is shot. He has twenty four completions in the past three games. I mean, they're just not moving the ball through the air, and he can only turn to Matt Sims, an undrafted free agent with no experience and you know questionable physical skills. It's just. They're in a bad spot, but it might be the only thing they can do to potentially jumpstart their season. See, I would have a big issue with them after what the Jets have done this season when the expectations were outrageously low. Rex has done a good job, and you put what Geno's done week after week. A lot of coaches, a lot of good coaches would struggle to win games with that. And we're going we're gonna to fire Rex Ryan after with a roster that supports him. There's been very little drama there. He's handled all the ups and downs fine. This is the season that we fire him after. I, I think he's going to get fired even if they go eight and eight. I thought the I've owner loves him though, right? Or no? I mean, the, the owner is what... a Rex fan. I just think when a new general manager comes in, he wants to do it his way, and that they're going to have to have a winning. I've thought all along they're going to end up having to have a winning record, right or wrong. I think it would be wrong too. I agree with your point. Does Idzik have that much power? I don't want to get off track, but I mean, honestly, like this wasn't hasn't been a disaster. Well, well not still, yet. There's still a still third of the season way. to go. Yeah, that's no, fair. They were the worst five and four team we talked about it in NFL history in terms of point differential. Now they're five and six, and maybe their record's going to catch up with how good they really are. Right. And, and one thing I do want to say about about Geno Smith is they're putting him in a tough spot too because obviously we know there's no weapons around him. The offensive line play has been subpar, and what they did today, and which kind of feeds into my feeling about them needing to maybe go in a different direction for now is they are they have no faith in him and their game plan dictated that there was a lot of running the ball on first and second down a lot of wildcat um just the idea that they're gonna play it very safe and that led to a lot of like third and sevens and third and eights for Gino when he's not playing well and the defense knows what's coming so they're all they're all messed up now and a lot, and a lot of that goes back to that they've lost faith in the quarterback um you know, so you know you have that that thing going on. <clears throat> Wait, he I doesn't got... have a touchdown since the Patriots game. Yes. He has seven interceptions in that span. And Rex was asked after the game, "Will Geno be the starter next week?" He did not have an answer for that, which I believe is a first. Right. So he's getting to the point where he's seriously thinking about it. And when a coach doesn't give an answer, I think it's on the table. They play the Dolphins next week. That's a battle of the two two of the five and six teams that are all tied. For the wild card spot, and I think there's a chance we see. Or Matt it's Sims. not his decision entirely. It's t- that's 23 turnovers, by the way. For mm. Gino. Good uh, defense they played, at least. Got to give him some credit. They did play good defense. And, uh, and just a couple other quick notes. Ed Reed, and we knew this, but Ed Reed is not Ed Reed anymore. Uh, there was a deep ball. Joe Flacco um, had some nice deep balls today in, in tough conditions. One of them basically was thrown right in the vicinity where Ed Reed, the old Ed Reed, would have had an interception. In this, in this case, he didn't react quickly enough, and it was a, a long touchdown for Jacoby Jones. So the whole idea of bringing in Ed Reed to solve the Jets' deep ball woes is not going to do it. And uh, just because we like talking about the snowsuit, Ray Rice <laughs> off that 131-yard breakout game against the Bears last week, 30 yards on 16 carries. 1. Which is 9. why, honestly, even though the Rams are running the ball well, we shouldn't look at anything they did today or the anything anyone does against Chicago's defense and take it seriously. The Ravens is sets up the big Thanksgiving night. Mark Sessler's going to be in the building in Culver <laughs> City getting ready. Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens. We said it earlier. Greg, Greg up out of his chair at the concept <laughs> of me working on Thanksgiving I'm night. Steelers, no, Ravens, Sessler. Sessler's family 300 miles away. Sessler alone. Sessler going to die alone. Sessler, Sessler, Sessler. Football. Uh, yeah, right. we, we think the winner of this game is the AFC wildcard. Do we agree but, with that, Ravens? <laughs> 
I'm not. As you just said, there's a third of the season left, so I'm not ready to go there yet. No. By the way, thank you for joining us on Sunday night, Mark. You're welcome. I'm currently on shift right now, so I'm enjoying. Here this. I am. I'm enjoying this. Um, all right, let's move on. Ben Roethlisberger threw two touchdown passes and beat Cleveland again as the Pittsburgh Steelers move back into the playoff picture with a 27-11 win over the Browns on Sunday. Mark, you uh, stuck your neck out for your team on Friday. You picked them. That was your hero pick. The hero crashes to the ground. A sad failure. I really thought that Cleveland, this was a game at home. That's what they get up for and they'd play well. And from very, very early on, it was evident that was not going to happen. And this, to me, remains a team. Well, I thought a couple weeks ago they were a quarterback away from being competitive. I still think they're not far away from being a decent team that can go deep into the season and contend. But they've got issues beyond Jason Campbell and beyond Brandon Whedon. But listen, you cannot compete. I don't care how bad that six wild card team is going to be in the AFC without a quarterback. And that's what Cleveland lacks right now. They don't have it. You know, Jason Campbell came out. He was not that different from what he was last week. He was a check down robot. He tried to throw the ball downfield a little bit more. But you know what? He just... He doesn't seem to see the entire field. In comes Whedon, who commits a ghastly fumble before throwing a pick six. <laughs> Brandon I, Whedon will never die, by the way. He will not. And I don't want to take away, honestly, the story of the game, which is Pittsburgh, because their defense has played really well of late. They did a great job today. They shut down Cleveland entirely. And with Big Ben, you know, Wesling was right a couple weeks ago when Pittsburgh looked completely out of it. It doesn't matter what's around Big Ben. He makes it happen. Antonio Brown got the best of Joe Hayden, and Cleveland's season is done. We're forking him. Mm. Pre- preview of the fork. And they're only one game out of the playoffs. You have to admit that's a true f- right. statement. And, and, and Greg and I got into worth. it in the newsroom because and, and Greg is right. It, mathematically yeah, and statistically, yes, they're one game out. But the way they played today and what they did last week in two key AFC North games where they could have changed everything – they completely didn't show up. That, to me, tells me this is still a 5-11 and 11 Browns team. And we have an AFC team in this 5-6 and six mix that is capable of going on a run because they started their run when they got home from London, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were 0-4, and, and now they're, what, they're 5-6. and six. So do the math. I mean, they, they've been on a good run. Really, they had that one game in Oakland where they gave up a couple big fluky plays and they couldn't get it done. They missed some kicks in that game. But other than that, they've consistently been a pretty good team for about seven games now. And they're better than Baltimore. We'll see. You know the number one toy being targeted by shoppers on Black Friday is supposed to be? I don't even want to know. Check down robots. Oh. <laughs> took me a while to get to that. I was concerned with where you were going to go on that, with the answer to that. Humor cuts through all. How Uh, pathetic is the whole, like, Black Friday thing, though, as a thing? As a society, I'm just saying. Oh, I couldn't agree more. It's completely antiquated, Have you ever participated in it? I've never shopped, period, but in general, but... (laughs) Greg, not human. I I don't buy things for other people, but, you know. Well, just go go on the computer... And and check out there and spend literally seventeen more dollars. You know what over I think it is in my experience. It's when you get the whole family together. You got eighteen, nineteen people, and it's a way for a pocket. Typically, I don't want to you know generalize, but it's like mother and daughter, grandmother go out to get out of the house, away from the men that have just been sitting around eating, drinking, watching TV for two days. <laughs> it's like a Norman Rockwell. And they Rockwell get out of there, and on? whether or not they go to the mall or whatever they do, they just get out of there, and it's good for them. Are you being sexist right I, now? I, started I don't know. Do you go? Well, do the guys go to Black Friday while the women sit home? Oh, hey, yeah, they, oh yeah, the guys go to. You're I'm talking s- to a big Black Friday shopper. Oh. So explain it. Do you enjoy that? I enjoy it so much. First, you, you eat a good Thanksgiving meal. You maybe get in a nap if possible with all the festivities <laughs> and drinks and food. You take a, a little nap. You wake up at the crack of dawn. You go. You rush to get your stuff. And it's really good deals out there. I don't want to sound like I'm advertising, mm. but you get good deals. Oh. And just, tr- you know, if you happen to trample over someone, it's like football. You're just having <laughs> Why fun. not do that like two <laughs> weeks before? If people really love getting up at five in the morning and sleep and then going shopping, like, do that a couple of weeks before Black Friday and avoid the rush. Well, you want to hear some real poppycock. Whatever. The deals are outrageous. <laughs> you want to hear some real poppycock? <laughs> Stores are now opening on Thursday. They're calling it Brown Thursday, which is then taking all those employees out of their families' homes on Thanksgiving. I won't stand for it. 
I worked on Thanksgiving before. We're all worked. Time. I've worked on Thanksgiving. We all have the last yes, like we're, ten years. Right, we're right. part of American right. tradition with the NFL. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Tangent. Don't shop on Thursday. You're hurting America. Backup quarterback Matt Flynn threw for 218 yards to help the Packers storm back from a 16-point deficit against the Vikings. The two teams traded field goals in overtime, and we had our first tie of the season, 26-26 at Lambeau Field. Um, Hate this. I love symmetry. One of my favorite things about sports is symmetry, everything balancing out. Dan, a tie is the most symmetrical thing you can get and that's a great point and i and i respect you for that point but at the same time <laughs> i hate it. it you throw a dash one into the mix it clouds up the the playoff picture it doesn't aesthetically it doesn't look right i'm not happy about it it was a big tie it sounds weird you're gonna mo- if we knew this was the result ahead of time you would think the packers really blew an opportunity to get back on top of the division but just the fact they got this tie with tolzine and flynn Keeps them right in the mix heading into the Thanksgiving game. They needed to win that one anyways. Now they're only a half a game back. They're not going to win any tie breaks to win the division, but it's almost as good as a win. I, that? I would call this uh, today's most depressing storyline. Mm-hmm. The fact Which that is Matt Flynn is back in Green Bay driving the Packers to touchdown. I, I don't. I cannot believe this. Why is that depressing? I don't want anything to do with Matt Flynn back <laughs> wow. on the field playing for the Packers. It's weird. You know what today did? I did, I think it took all. <laughs> Why is it weird? Why do you hate this Matt guy Flynn floats so much? around the league, fa- like loses con- starting jobs over and over, and he's back in Green Bay in a, as a system quarterback, generating yardage and points. Isn't Get it him a, out of there! Isn't it a, redemp- a redemption tale? I don't see it that way. He's been paid to do nothing for years. That's not redemption. <laughs> well, and he's got to be <laughs> wow. in a big spot unless Aaron Rodgers comes back this week. Their playoff hopes is. Riding on Matt Flynn against the same team that he broke all those records, the Detroit Lions. The Yeah, this snapped a three-game losing streak for the Packers, but they still haven't won in a month now. And you just wonder, I don't know when, when Rodgers comes back, but you wonder when they look back at the end of December and they went a whole month without winning in a competitive conference, you wonder if it's going to end up keeping them out, you know? My takeaway from this and everything that happened in the NFC North, we've talked about all their games, is now that team's not getting a wild card. I think it's going to be second place in the West and second place in the South. It's going to be Carolina and and one of those West teams. Hmm. And one other thing, we saw some tweets after the game. Some Packers players didn't know the game could end in a tie. We're still still seeing this. Every time there's a tie, why why does this pop up every time we have a tie? It's ridiculous. It's like a guy that comes to work wearing shorts and then the, a memo gets set, sent out and it's like no shorts and then everybody's shocked about it. And then like a couple months later, again, a guy comes with shorts, another memo, people are still shocked. And then another guy comes with shorts. Like at what point are, is everyone just <laughs> stupid for not understanding that you can't wear shorts? I think like humanity has crescendoed. I know that we're, this podcast is going to be an hour and a half long, but let me raise a question to you too. Let, let me see what you think. In overtime... Oswald acted alone. <laughs> <laughs> we're it, past that. Oh, we're past that. Okay, go ahead. In overtime, Mike McCarthy chooses to kick a field goal from the two-yard line. Now it's tied at that point. Is there any thought there that you just go for the win from yes. the two-yard line? Yeah, you're a team on the brink. Yeah, it's. I didn't even think of that, but that makes sense. I mean, because then, then it becomes true sudden death, only that team is backed up if even if you fail – Barring some type of horrible turnover, they're backed up. There's some logic there for sure. I, I haven't looked at uh, advanced NFL stats or any what the stats people are talking about. I would strongly suspect that the numbers are with you going right. for that because of what you said so. too. Because if you don't get it, you're still pinning them. And and yes, I think that's a very interesting point. And I also I also want to say you brought the reason why maybe you go for it there is because the Packers defense. I know Aaron Rodgers being out is the main reason why, but you know they. They've been leaky, and you don't you put the game back in their hands, and they didn't get the job done. So there you go. You know, Riverboat Ron would have went for it. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. Uh, Philip Rivers threw for 392 yards and three touchdowns. The final one, a 26-yarder to – let me see if I got this. Sayi Ajirotutu. Seiji Ajirotutu. Come on, man. I mean, he's been around. This is like like his fourth time with the Chargers. Yes, household name. Uh, With 24 seconds remaining to give the San Diego Chargers a 41-38 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. That ends the Chargers' three-game losing streak. 
streak. Greg, are the Chargers alive? They are. Mark picked them to be the team that emerged from this wild card morass because they have a quarterback, and they have a quarterback that went over 390 yards for the fourth time this season. That's only happened twice in NFL history before this. Joe Montana, Dan Marino, and now Phillip Rivers. And it just goes to show you never know what's going to happen when you dole out the assignments and what games are going to be great. I never expected this to be a 41-38 to game where nine touchdowns were scored in the last 32 minutes, I believe. Uh, it was I, wild. It was a lot of fun. I was disappointed. During the season, I've been disappointed periodically with how, where my draft pick has been for picking games. I missed the draft entirely this week, apparently, because I just got a game <laughs> assignment uh, with the, no no correspondence at all. The Jets pick was was your number one pick. I knew, no, I knew it I was. No, I wouldn't. You've got to play like a fantasy draft. I would have let that lie in the weeds and went back and got it in the second round. Inter- that would have been... That would have been an interesting strategy. Two important things. The Chiefs obviously have now lost two games in a row. Also, uh, they lost their top pass rusher, Tamba Hali, and Justin Houston to injuries. Um, so, And now they have the Broncos coming into their house. So, you know, Chiefs, Mark, you called it actually on Friday. You said that a three-game losing streak would be staring at the Chiefs, and that could happen here. Two, two quick things. Greg made a good point that even before these two premier pass rushers were gone, Kansas City's not been getting to the quarterback the same way they were earlier in the year. For a month. For a while, right? And I looked at the first takeaway I had when I looked at the score was like, wait, Kansas City put up 38 points? Alex Smith had his best game of the year. He was protected really well. It was kind of a matchup of weaknesses. Could the Chargers defense stop anyone? They got no pass rush on him. They kept picking up third and tens. He made a lot of good throws. He put them in the lead with a touchdown with only a minute and a half to go. It looked like it was going to be kind of a Alex Smith's big moment. And I, I thought, wow, this is great. The offense actually carries them for one game after the defense just collapsed. Uh, but they couldn't hold Phillip Rivers back. Keenan Allen and Lardarius Green are just an unbelievable one-two punch right now at wide receiver and tight end. Green has to be the fastest tight end in the league. I mean, he is the fastest guy in that team with the ball. You now have him and Gates, and Matthews is playing well. He went out with a hamstring injury, and Allen, they got a lot going on. Their schedule is really rough, but let's go back to Kansas City. But this was supposed to be one of their toughest games, and they just won it. Do you think that Kansas City can generate a win against the Broncos next week? No way. I wouldn't have said they had much of a chance even with Houston and Ali. And and those two injuries looked serious. We don't know about their availability. Carson Palmer threw two touchdown passes to Larry Fitzgerald. Carlos Dansby returned an interception 22 yards for a score. And the Arizona Cardinals won their fourth in a row with a 40-11 victory over the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. The -the around-the-league team picked... The Cardinals across the board. We were a little surprised that happened, but apparently we were on to something. Uh, a total blowout. Mark, you watched that game very closely. Tell me what you saw. You know, I, this was the kind of game for me. you got two teams that are right in the middle of that playoff group in each conference. Who's going to show up and say we really are the better of the two? Arizona just stamped them. This was over so quickly. And, you know, the, the Colts have been outscored 93-9. to in the first half over the last four games. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's an inability to just make plays early. It obviously is is that to some degree. They were so roughed up and so outplayed. I see a team in Indianapolis that wants to get this ground game going and start to set the tempo with that, but they don't have the people to do it. They can't get it done. And Andrew Luck can't rescue them out of every 21 and nothing hole. They were down 27-3 to at the halftime. Is is he a reason why they're falling into these holes? Did he play well today? I don't think that, that Andrew Luck is at all the issue. He, he's by far their best player. But honestly, it was just that you talk get thrown way down. What your, whatever your game plan was, they were thrown out of it so far. And props to Carson Palmer. Fourth straight good game, honestly. Where I thought this is the reason that the Cardinals are, are a 7-9 and nine team. He's actually played well. And you put him, you know, they've got a couple of weapons on that team. 
it's not just Larry Fitzgerald anymore. And they, they really, they're kind of gelling because their defense is, is interesting. The defense is a weapon. Outstanding. And defense scored points today. And, you know, I just, I look at this. And they're one of the best home teams in the league. They've proven it now. They have. Beyond a shadow. They've got the Niners on the ropes because they got a half game lead. The Niners can tie it up tomorrow night. But, no, who would have thought? Who would have thought this is where we'd be with the Cardinals at this point? They should call you Mark Saucy. You think the Niners are on the ropes in the NFC West? Well, I mean, they technically are. They they have to win to keep pace with the Cardinals, well, and then the Panthers have changed everything. Let's take a look at the rest of the Cardinals' schedule, because I am interested. This this was a legit win. They had a couple uh, easy wins after their bye. They're now 7-4. and four. They have at Eagles, home to Rams, at Titans, at Seahawks, home to Niners. So it tightens up a little bit in the back end there. Last thing, I honestly think that Bruce Arians should be a back-to-back coach of the year. That would be awesome. Two different organizations. I like mm. it. We talked about that before the season. It's his chance to make history, not just a man in his 60s wearing Kangles, but, <laughs> but a man that could win Coach of the Year for two different teams. It's crazy. Just him and Samuel L. Jackson, the only 60-something <laughs> dudes wearing Kangles. By the way, Greg, the statement committee gathered on that game? Yes. They ruled the Cardinals delivered a high-level statement. Statement win. Statement win. What is the statement? We good. <laughs> uh, moving on, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw a 10-yard touchdown pass to Kendall Wright with 10 seconds remaining to cap a mistake-free performance that put the Tennessee Titans back in playoff contention with a 23-19 win over the Oakland Raiders. On Sunday, um, this was a game that was very tough. I, I picked the Raiders this week. I thought they had this one. I thought Wes's the softball pants was going re- to there was going to be some serious danger on the softball pants front. But uh, as it turns out, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a little Fitz magic, playing the way he did in Buffalo before he got that big contract extension. And um, I will say this, fellas. I, I wrote last uh, couple weeks ago that I thought the only thing that could keep the Titans in the mix here was Fitzpatrick getting on one of those rolls. He's rolling, Cecil. Oh, you know, by the way, I know this is Greg's Cesla. game. Is it Greg's game? One of you. I'm not going to get Dance. in your way. Listen, we forked the Titans. Yeah, I'm fine with okay. that. We I'm just saying, too. anything we can knew happen. That one of these teams that were last forked were gonna year, win this game. we forked the Redskins, and Greg had to contribute, as he's told us many times, <laughs> money to a charity because of that. Now he has promised that if the Titans get to the playoffs, he will drop a $500 bill on the Rocky Top <laughs> Foundation for children and tots. Is that true? <laughs> that is not a real charity. Rocky Top Foundation for Children and Tots. I'm sure it is. Children are tots. Well, listen, I'm not sure they named it as succinctly as they could, but that's where the money's going. You would think that they would put some time into like naming their charity and not having obvious flubs in the text. What's the real tragedy in this game, though? Let's be honest. The softball pants look a little safer today. They would have... This would have put the Raiders on the doorstep. Chris Wesseling has volunteered to eat his softball pants if they get to six wins. They're at four. This would have put them at five. Their schedule gets a little tougher, and they, you know, it would have been a big national story every week. Everyone wondering, are they going to get to the sixth <laughs> win? Now it's going to be a little tougher. They're going to have to pull off some upsets. I still think they have a chance. I think they'll get to that fifth win, but it's going to be tough to get to six now. couple notes from that game. Um, Matt McGloin, he, he played very well, made a, a great 27-yard touchdown pass to Marcel Reese that was 6'10 to play that looked like had a chance to stand up. It didn't, but he played well. And then Dennis Allen, after the game, said that he earned another start. So Matt McGloin is number one on that depth chart. Uh, and from the Tennessee side, uh, Kenny Britt is lost in the abyss, another couple of drops. But Justin Hunter and Kendall Wright, that has the potential to be a really good one-two punch. I don't know where Wes had... Uh, Tennessee on his rankings of wide receivers. Probably, it's probably premature to have them involved in that list, but those guys have a lot of potential, both under over 100 yards. And uh, Hunter was particularly impressive. He put the clown suit on um, two Oakland defenders on his 54-yard touchdown. So, you know, some reasons to be excited in Tennessee. One but clown I don't know suit on, on two men. Yeah, that makes it even more humiliating. <laughs> the Titans season comes down to next week. They want to make a sweat about forking them, win in Indianapolis. They have a shot. Then they're in the AFC South mix once again if they win that game. That's basically their season on the line next week. 
All right, Tony Romo threw two touchdown passes and led a drive that set up Dan Bailey's 35-yard field goal on the final play of the game as the Cowboys defeated the Giants 24-21 to on Sunday at the Meadowlands. The Giants' winning streak, which wasn't all that impressive to start with, is over at four games, and uh, so too is the Giants' season most likely. Right, Greg? Yeah, I think so. I've thought it's been over this whole time. I'm happy to get rid of them. This was a game the Cowboys were ripe for the picking. They gave up 200 yards rushing. Cowboys stink. Let's Cowboys control too. their destiny at this point. Yeah, they're they're 6 and 5, so are the Eagles, but all the Cowboys have to do is beat the Redskins when they play later and they'll have every tiebreak possible. So, the week 17 matchup with the Eagles, Cowboys Eagles, it looks like that'll be for the NFC East title. But you never know. If the Cowboys had a one-game lead going into it, it's already over. That said, don't they just feel like a team that it's hard to take them seriously? I think the Giants lost this game more than the Cowboys won it. The Giants were inside the 10 a couple times, settled for field goals. They got stopped on a fourth down. There was a ton of bad penalties against them, stupid penalties. But give Tony Romo a lot of credit. Game-winning drives in two of the last three games. Uh, Des Bryant made huge catches on third down. When push came to shove... Those two guys basically saved the day, saved the defense, who was kind of falling apart at the end. Tony Romo successfully runs a four-minute drill to win the game. Uh, perhaps not surprisingly, Twitter goes falls absolutely silent. <laughs> right, despite, no one acknowledges when he does this. Despite all social media, including our social media director, pulling hard for a Romo uh, to falter because, let's face it, that drives traffic, that drives a chatter. It's a big part of the NFL experience is Tony Romo failing and embarrassing himself. It didn't happen here, so all the Romo haters, tough day, Romo defenders, congratulations. I'm just happy we can stop talking, stop pretending and trying to convince ourselves that these are the same old giants and watch out, they're <laughs> dangerous. And they have not put together no. 60 minutes all season that have particularly impressed us. The four committee will obviously be gathering very busy, big, uh, a lot of, we're going to have to have an b- extra big spread of bagels and muffins and orange juice because we've got to discuss a lot of things and the Giants are obviously going to be coming up. Locks. We need to get some get locks. Get some locks. Get, I would never get, eat locks. Get our culture going. That does it for our <laughs> Sunday schedule. We will be back later this week, our Thanksgiving special. Uh, so be ready for that. When is that going to be? We don't know, but it will be at some <laughs> point during this week, the Thanksgiving special. Um, Mark will definitely be involved. Wes will be involved maybe via, via a phone call. If, if he survives tonight, we don't know how that's going to play out. Let's not over-anticipate that. Yeah, exactly. But until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for The Sizzler, The Boss, K. Rich Behind the Glass, and Lyle the Intern. Until then. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.